My husband, Andy and I, we got married at the ripe old age of 22 when we were especially wide-eyed. I heard a woohoo. Does anyone else relate to that story? Any other? It's a couple of you, okay. Well, when we hit the very important milestone of six whole months of dating, and I was still under the legal drinking age, I called my mom and told her we were going to get engaged. Don't worry, now that I am a mom, I have since apologized countless times for that. <laughs> but thankfully for Andy and I, life went pretty much just like we planned for those first four years. I got a TV news anchor and reporter job in Augusta, Georgia and Columbia, South Carolina, all while Andy went through dental school in Augusta. We had our first child, Violet, right before he graduated. And then the Air Force sent us from Georgia across the country to Las Vegas, Nevada to pay them back for footing his dental tuition bill. All of it pretty much just like we planned. And we thought we'd keep going down this path that we envisioned, a path that never really dawned on us could go off course. So much so, one day we're sitting in our Las Vegas home across from each other at the kitchen table and we're filling out our military dream sheet and Andy says to me, what do you think? Should we rank Germany first or Italy first? And my response was, hmm, you know, I think I'd rather prefer it living in Italy, but I think we have a better chance at Germany, so let's rank that first. This is only funny if you have military experience. Um, <laughs> but we thought we knew the rules to this game of life because everything had gone just like we planned. Well, then May 8th, 2014 rolled around and my phone was practically glued to my sweaty hand because this was the day, this was the day we were going to find out where we would spend the next four years of our lives. If it was Europe, Fantastic, we would go have this once in a lifetime grand adventure. If it was stateside, great. After taking 11 months off of TV news, I would go right back to it. Win-win. So I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm pacing and I'm pacing and finally my phone rings. I wipe off my sweaty hands, swipe, and before I even said hello, I said, what did we get? And he said, Holloman Air Force Base. Couple of you know. Uh, I had studied, I did not know, I had studied this list pretty extensively, and that base was not even ringing the slightest of bells. And I said, Andy, where is that? And he said, Alamogordo, New Mexico. And we both got really quiet. <laughs> If you have military experience, you probably know why, because there's not even a target in Alamogordo, New Mexico, let alone a TV news station. So this chance at this grand adventure was over, but what I couldn't calculate was that my career could also be over. It was the first time we were hit by the unexpected, something completely out of our control, and I just felt lost and didn't know what to do. I got a weird feeling late in the afternoon that same day, and that weird feeling was telling me to take a pregnancy test. And for those of you with military experience, you know that packers will pack everything, including trash in your trash cans. Um, and so an old one from our first go around made its way across the country with us, and I took it and almost immediately saw the word pregnant pop up in all caps. 
and we were not in the business of trying. <laughs> so I slapped my forehead in shock, and I started doing that scary laugh cry thing that you see in movies when life is just like so ridiculous and overwhelming. And I said, okay, God, okay. You want me to be a stay-at-home mom, I get it, okay. You see, once again, I thought I had it all figured out. Three months later, we moved to Alamogordo, and there were more teary phone calls made because <laughs> unfortunately, it was kind of just like we pictured it. Uh, don't get me wrong, when we drove into town, there was this gorgeous mountain range to the left. But then on the right, is a row of nothing but fast food restaurants stacked in tight like dominoes. I am still to this day not sure why a town of only 30,000 people need not one, but two Sonics on the same road, but apparently the people of Alamogordo, Alamogordo cannot get enough limeades. Eight days after arriving, it was time for my 20-week ultrasound. The tech almost immediately told us that we were having a boy. And I started to cry, and Andy started to cry. A girl, a boy, just like we always wanted, just like we had always planned. But then I noticed that she was taking a really long time to get the measurements. And finally, she walks out the room, a nurse walks in, and says, well, everything must look great because the doctor's not here. And as soon as she said those words, he walked in. He explained to us that there were several markers on the ultrasound that indicated that our child had a higher chance of having a trisomy. And I said, well, what does that mean? And he said, it means your child has a higher chance of having a condition like Down syndrome. And I just remember my back breaking out in fire and the words, I can't be a special needs mom, I can't be a special needs mom, going over and over and over again in my head like a scratch CD. Because of course I couldn't, because that was not a part of the plan. A week and a half later, my husband called me and said, I just got off the phone with the doctor. He has the test results. It's not good. I'm coming home. And I just remember my heavy 22-week pregnant body just falling to the kitchen floor. And that time my mom was there and she came and sat beside me and I just said, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. This doesn't feel real, this doesn't feel real, this doesn't feel real. It's as if my mouth had to repeat what my head and my heart didn't want to be true. Finally, Andy walked in and I could tell almost immediately that he was going to get sick. And I followed him to the bathroom and started unbuttoning his constricting military uniform. And after he did get sick, he laid his head on my chest I just remember his hot tears rolling down my shirt. We had both just turned 27 years old, and we were in shock that something like this could happen to us. We knew the test was positive for something, something life-altering, permanent, and possibly deadly, but we didn't know what, and we had to go into the office to get the official results. And the doctor finally walked in the room. He said, well, it's not good news, your child has a 99.9% .9 chance of having Down syndrome. And it's normally at times like these, people wanna talk about their options. I said, what options? And he said, option one is you terminate the pregnancy. Option two is you continue your pregnancy with a high-risk doctor. Okay, um, can, you, can you tell us about Down syndrome? Like, what, is, what does this mean? And he seemed surprised by the question and said, oh, well, at worst, 
He'll never be able to feed himself. And at best, he'll mop the floors of a fast food restaurant one day. But don't worry, don't worry. You don't have to be a hero. If you decide not to go through with the termination, you can have the baby here and we can keep him comfortable, but we don't have to do anything drastic to save his life. In other words, we could have our baby to keep our consciences clean, but we could let him die of natural causes. You see, the doctor believed that our son would not have a life worth living, so I grieved as if a death had taken place. If you are part of this church family, if you're lucky enough to know Pastor Allen and his son Ezra who has Down syndrome, you can probably guess that I think very, very differently about Down syndrome today. After months of grieving, I started to realize that the doctor's views were rooted in outdated notions about disability. I realized that his outlook was also ableist. Ableism is the idea that disability is something inferior and something that needs to be fixed instead of being a part of someone's identity. And not only that, I realized I had an ableist outlook too and that I had a lot of work to do in dismantling my own ableism, which I did and which I continue to do because this is lifelong work. But still, the grief that I felt after for this period was very heavy and very real. And our unexpected story did not end with our son's Down syndrome diagnosis. It continued with his open heart surgery. It continued with miscarriage. It continued after finding out we were pregnant again, announcing that pregnancy, and then two days later, finding out there was something seriously wrong with our next unborn son. A condition that would move me from our then San Antonio home, which was just a few blocks from this church, by the way, which, by the way, really, really missed San Antonio's breakfast tacos, not so much the traffic. <sighs> but right after moving here to San Antonio, I had to move to the Ronald McDonald House in Houston because this condition required fetal intervention surgery. It then landed us in the NICU and operating rooms and earned us a frequent flyer card at the San Antonio Children's Hospital. And one of those events included a horrific medical injury. For five years, we were hit by the unexpected again and again. To my friend who has been hit by the unexpected, to my friend who was questioning, how can there be a God who loves me if this thing or these things keep happening to me? I have been there too. To this friend, I have two things to tell you today and one question I want you to think on when you're ready. The first is this. Jesus did not hide his pain, so we don't have to either. The second is in this life, we will have scars. We will. And we also have a creator who wears them too. To my first point, in Western culture and in church culture, it seems like we're given this very short timeline where we get to experience pain. And then we're expected to run to the other side of that timeline as quickly as possible. We are supposed to bring our hashtag good vibes only. We're expected to go from victory to victory because we have God on our side, right? We're expected to be the PR team for ourselves and for Jesus. That's the mark of the strong, or so we're told. 
Walter Brueggemann is an Old Testament scholar and says that Western Christianity is often unrealistic in its positivity. And I agree. I don't know how we ever got to this point of forcing positivity on the hurting when Jesus himself on the cross in some of his final moments said what? He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Did you know that he's quoting the Psalms? Did you know that more than half of the Psalms are laments like that one? I think they are there to teach us how to be human and in relationship with God, which is not by hiding our pain, not by ignoring it, not by fast forwarding through it, but instead bringing it all to God. Last week, Pastor Alan taught us that we can bring our doubts to God. We can also bring our pain, our anger, and our hurt. I think Jesus quoted the Psalms on the cross because of the depth of his pain and also as the ultimate act of solidarity. Jesus' life reminds us that pain in this life is inevitable. But Jesus did not hide his pain, and we don't have to either. Instead, we are meant to enter it. We are meant to sit in the darkness when it comes and see what it has to teach us. We are meant to ask the why questions, the hard questions like, how is there an all-powerful and all-loving God, and yet so much suffering exists? Which, spoiler alert, I do not have the perfect answer for. But what I do know is that we have a God who intimately knows our pain because he felt it too. He sweat blood, he wept. When the unexpected takes a hold of our lives, we aren't meant to run from it. Instead, we are meant to wrestle with the shadows while down below in life's pits. But friends, wrestle knowing this. Shadows only exist because somewhere a light is present. God has been in the darkness too, and he hasn't left. He came back. He broke through the darkness of this life to experience life's hurts with us. And he breaks through still. Still. What do we do when we believe or want to believe that Jesus came here to show us who God really was? That God was love, and yet this love, this God, doesn't always intervene in the way that we want him to. I would say, look at his scars. In Luke 24, after Jesus was crucified and buried, he appears to two of his followers, but they did not recognize him. It wasn't until the men sat down at a table and broke bread with him that they knew it was Jesus. Jesus was different. And yet, we see here just a few verses down when he appears to the 11 disciples that the marks on his hands and his feet remain. We'll pick it up at verse 26. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. In this life, we will have scars. And we have a creator who wears them too. 
to my friend questioning their faith because of the unexpected pain in their lives, pain in this life is inevitable. You don't have to hide it. You don't have to run from it. I hope you eventually find comfort in the one who intimately knows the depths of despair. I also hope when you are ready, you will one day ask, what do I want my scars to show? I think Jesus' resurrection shows us that our scars do not fade away in this life, nor do they disappear on the other side. Instead, we carry them with us. Have you ever thought about why Jesus comes back in a form that is so different, different enough that it took time for his followers to recognize him, and yet his scars remain? I think it's because his scars make up the essence of who Jesus was and who Jesus is. I think the form that Jesus came back to earth in is Jesus in his entirety, the fullest version of himself. I think the pain we experience in this life and then what we decide to do with that pain can help us live into the fullest version of ourselves. Father Richard Rohr says there are two great paths to transformation. One is great love. The other, great suffering. I know this to be true. Our identities are shaped by our gifts and our trials and what we decide to do with it all. Who we are here won't be erased in heaven. Our hearts and our bodies will no longer be crushed by the pain of our difficulties, but the evidence will somehow remain and be redeemed. Our scars matter. Who we are here matters. So let me ask you again, what do we want our scars to show? What I'm suggesting is if you are going through the unexpected now, or maybe you went through it a long time ago, to use it. Hear me out on this one. We are not meant to overcome the unexpected. We're not. Did you know that another word for overcome is to suppress? We are not meant to take that thing that happened to us and put it in a drawer never to open again. We are not meant to overcome the unexpected and remain the same. Instead, we are meant to undergo it and be transformed. We are meant to let the unexpected be our teachers so we can tear down the false constructs we have built around our own lives and our own views. We are meant to let it connect us to this God who, no, does not always intervene in the way that we want him to, but knows the depth of our pain. We are meant to let it connect us to the God who makes new life come out of dead places. The unexpected gives us the opportunity to be transformed and then use that transformation for others. The unexpected gives us an opportunity to be healed and then use that healing to heal our corner of the world in the way only we can. And there's hope in that. What do we want our scars to show? because none of us are immune from being hit by the unexpected. If it hasn't happened yet, one day it will. And although that thing, those things look very different for all of us, we all get the choice of what we are going to do with it when it comes. I hope 
after we go through it, after the grieving, after the wrestling, I hope we will use the pain to become a bit more like the one who made us. And then I hope we will use it to bring a bit of heaven here to earth. I want my scars to show someone who was transformed by the unexpected and then let that transformation flow through her. I want my scars to show that I let my pain not only strengthen me, but soften me. I want my scars to show that I allowed my pain to change my worldview and my politics and yes, my religion. I want my scars to show someone who advocates for the full inclusion of those with disabilities in school and beyond. I want my scars to show that I allowed my pain to help me find my truest self, the one God dreamed up long ago. I am not going to stand up here and tell you that this thing that happened to you or is happening to you happened for some higher purpose you just cannot see. Some things are just too painful. But what I can tell you is you can use this pain right now or in the future and ask God to help you make purpose come from it. We may never get our old lives back after experiencing the unexpected. Our circumstances, our lives may never be the same. But if we are willing, we get the opportunity to never quite be the same either. Maybe you had an unstable upbringing and now want to bring stability to those in foster care. Maybe you were diagnosed with something life-altering and exposed you to the injustices in the medical system, and now you want to advocate for policy change. Maybe you experienced a loss so great, and now you are determined to step in and fill the gaps for those who also experienced loss after those casseroles stopped rolling in. Maybe you experienced financial instability, and now you want to join the fight for affordable housing. Maybe. It's time for all of us to remember that we have a God of resurrection and this new life come out of what seems dead. <laughs> to my friend who is questioning their faith due to the unexpected, pain in this life is inevitable. We don't have to hide our pain. And with God, we can make purpose come from it. With God, we can let our scars help us live into our God-dreamed entireties. So take your time. Go all the way through the darkness, wrestle with the shadows, and when you are ready, ask this question. What do I want my scars to show? because it matters. Who we are here matters, and who we will become matters too. Today, I thank God for a life off plan. That doesn't mean I am grateful for everything that's happened to me, but I am grateful for how God met me in my darkest moments. I am grateful for his grace moving me deeper and also forward. I am grateful for how the most painful parts of my story led to both the unbecoming and the becoming of me. I believe if you are willing to go all the way through the unexpected and search for God in it, you may one day 
say the same thing. The unexpected gave me my sons. The unexpected gave me me. The unexpected gave me him. The God who breaks through, the God of solidarity, the God who does not always prevent our pain, but promises resurrection, not just in the next life, but in and out and over again in this one. The unexpected gave me the God who is scarred. And there is no greater gift. Let's pray. Dear God, I pray for the one who has been rocked by the unexpected. Whether this unexpected thing happened a long time ago or is happening right now, God, I pray you would encourage this person to go all the way through their unexpected circumstances. I pray they unlearn what they need to unlearn and learn what you have for them. God, I pray that when they feel lonely, that you would draw them in close and whisper to their souls, I am here. I have scars too. God, I pray you take their hand and remind them you are the God of resurrection. You take dead things and bring new life out of them. You breathe in new life still.